Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Between aging and busy lifestyles, many women struggle with maintaining their physical and mental wellness. At Aquavita Concierge Healthcare Services for Women, we can help you revitalize your health and reclaim your life. We start from within by balancing your hormones, allowing your body to achieve and maintain desired weight goals. We also specialize in peptide therapies, regenerative medicine, sexual health, and aesthetics in our state-of-the-art facilities. Feel better, look better, live better. At Aquavita, visit aquavitality.com and begin your journey today. Welcome to High Stakes, Episode 3. I'm your host, Neil Orfield. Before I introduce today's guest, I'd like to do a little housekeeping. Uh, just mention that it, you may have seen on Twitter this week, I asked for questions for RBX88. Uh, I did actually record an interview with RBX88 on Wednesday. Uh, unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties, and we might not have that file. We're still unsure if we have the recording, uh, but hoping that we will be coming out with that recording next week. But luckily, I was able to find another guest on short notice, a great guest at that. Uh, you probably know him as a hubro on DraftKings. Uh, he also goes by Peter. And Peter has dozens of wins in the past couple of years uh, where he won $50,000 or more, many of them 100000 or, or more, maybe even dozens of 100000 or more. I don't know. He wins so much. It's hard to keep track. Peter wins in NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, NFL, soccer, college sports. He wins main slates. He wins showdown. Uh, it is really hard to keep track uh, of how much Peter wins because he's winning seemingly every day, it feels like. Uh, Peter, last time I asked you was a few months ago, uh, but you've had so much success in DFS that I feel like I need to check in You know, every couple months. Uh, are you still working your day job? I am. Yeah, still work full-time remote. Uh, well, I say full-time. It's uh, It would be considered a full-time job. Before the pandemic, I traveled every other week uh, because it's something that you got to do on-site. And so pandemic, we've been doing it remote, but it requires a lot less hours every week. So, I mean, nice. really, we're talking 20 or less hours a week okay. until we start traveling again. So uh, they just don't ask very much from me. That's and, pretty nice. 20 hours a week yeah. you can handle, right? It's a real easy job. Yeah, my boss is in uh, in Boston, and and she's great and leaves me alone and lets me just do my work. Um, so it really isn't much trouble to do. You know, and of course, it comes with the benefits and all that. Now, yeah. when they ask us to start traveling again um, after the – well, after we get the okay to travel, I, I'll have a decision to make then because traveling every other week doesn't sound that great anymore. Yeah, I, I understand that for sure, uh, mm -hmm. especially when you're making so much money at DFS, you don't really need it. I, I understand because I held on to my day job for a lot longer than I probably should have just because it's nice having that income and it's nice having those benefits, uh, but mm -hmm. it's also Safety. takes a lot of time. Uh, so so tell me about what is what is your job? What do you do? Uh, so I'm a compliance examiner for a brokerage firm. I audit financial advisors. Um, right. I've been in finance, I guess my whole career started with Charles Schwab in Denver back in like 98. Um, so I've always been on the discount side of the business. Um, did some trading in Chicago, but then ended up as a branch manager of Scott Trade brokerage firm. I don't know if you're familiar with Scott Trade. Oh yeah, I used to use them. Oh, okay. Yeah, so I was a manager of a Scott Trade branch. Um, 
And, uh, you know, once you get your licenses, you're kind of in the industry and, uh, it's a big leg up having your licenses to, to stay in it. And, uh, since I was a manager, I ended up with what's called a series 24, um, that allows me to do things like audit branches and things like that. So got on with a great company in Phoenix. Uh, I work remotely out of Tulsa here and, um, just before the pandemic show up at advisors offices and just audit their office not really getting into the math stuff just making sure they're following all the FINRA rules and you know not keeping not keeping customer checks too long things like that all right sounds like a great job steady job uh sounds like it might not be your dream job given that you're thinking about quitting once you can't travel or once they want you to travel again yeah oh it is a great job um and a lot of my coworkers really enjoy the travel so i don't know they just want to get away from the family or or what but uh uh, yeah, it's been great for me, especially the remote part. Uh, you know, we're doing them remotely now. They're not ever meant to be remote. So the process is a lot simpler. It's a lot easier doing things like looking at people's emails and, and checking, okay. what, checking what we can. Um, right. But yeah, it's it's a pretty laid back position right now. Um, but going into the office is a different thing. And you never know where they're going to send you. You know, you go all across the United States. Okay. So. You don't get to pick your destinations? No. Yeah. Unfortunately, a lot of it is, you know, you, you, uh, you fly into O'Hare and then drive for 90 minutes somewhere that looks the same as everywhere else with the Walgreens yeah. and McDonald's. I've had a few trips I really enjoyed, like uh, Oregon uh, along the coast. I had a full day to myself. That was a lot of fun. And so you go to some cool places, but, you know, sometimes you're in some part of New Jersey and in the middle of the winter and it's just not great. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Uh, so, so your background is in finance, um, but just bringing this into DFS a little bit, uh, what what kind of experience do you have in terms of education and experience with statistics? Do you have any kind of formal training in statistics? No, not at all. Um, I actually laughed when you mentioned statistics in the in the notes you gave me. Uh, I was I went I was a, I'm a college dropout. Went for about two and a half years, and one of the classes that made me be like, look, I don't enjoy this, and I'm not. I'm just not going to go to class anymore was statistics. Um, I was up in Boston going to school and actually transferred to the University of Colorado, not to get away from the statistics class. It just happened to be like, I wasn't going to get it. it, like, it I did not get it. Um, so yeah, I ended up right. uh, in Colorado for another mm, half semester and then got on with Charles Schwab. Nice. So, no That's formal training in statistics at all. That's that's what's cool about that is I think that you might be the third of the four people I've interviewed. And I actually don't really know Alex's background, but I feel like both Travis Petty and Gio may have not finished college either. So a lot of people are finding success in DFS without finishing college. It seems like you really don't really need those advanced degrees. And I myself don't have any, you know, advanced degree in any kind of statistics. So it seems like people are able to do this without any kind of formal training like that. And that's probably uh, good to hear for a lot of listeners. Oh, definitely. I mean, I didn't graduate, but I can't point to anything that I learned that's helped me with DFS, that's for sure. Right. Yeah, you learned outside. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, the first two years, you're taking a, a lot of classes that kind of feel the same as high school. I don't, it just wasn't, just seemed like a waste of time, but. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Uh, and how about computer programming? We're, we're going to talk a little bit about optimizing. I, I guess we can talk about your process a little bit more. I assume you're still using Optimizer. We'll get into that later. But do you have any kind of background in computer programming? None. None in programming. Uh, computers have always made sense to me. I was, I started using them early. My dad was an early adopter of computers, and I remember messing around on on his computer. Um, I, the other day on one of your your podcasts with Blender, I know he mentioned uh, BBS, and I had I had a BBS for a few months one summer, 
on a computer. Um, and I've always built my own computers and I can fix them and make them work, but programming. Okay. Yeah. Simulations. No. All right. So you've got some <laughs> technical expertise, but not really with the uh, computer programming specifically. Uh, right. Okay. So, so uh, getting into your start at DFS, just a little bit more background info. How and when did you get into DFS? Uh, well, I had to check RotoTracker for that because I knew the question was coming. But I started in 2013, uh, just casually playing playing around. Before that, I played uh, online poker, some in-person poker, but really got into the, the poker stars. I don't remember the years. I remember when it wasn't allowed anymore, so I stopped. Uh, but I had some success there. And always kind of had the personality for it, traded stocks uh, for a couple of years in Chicago. Um, and so it had a real allure to me, uh, the possibility of winning that big money. Um, so that's what drew me in. And uh, like I say, just casually for a couple of years, starting in 2013, it looks like I, I first started playing 150. Uh, and this is back when I was, I was pretty much FanDuel only back then. Right. Uh, February of 2016. Wow. And, and did my, you what what uh, got you to start? Did you like have a big win that allowed you to start 150 maxing or did you start with a big bankroll and just kind of decided at that point that it was, you know, time to up it or what, what got you to the 150 max? Never. Well, I, I you know, that was a, a dollar an entry. So it's one hundred and fifty dollars. Um, and at that point, I had six or seven months experience, although I wasn't playing every day. Um, so, you know, I always had an all right job. I've never had a segregated bankroll just for DFS. Um, so I never really thought about that in those terms um but it looks like my first big win was an nhl gpp for 7500 back in october of 2016 and okay. you can see from that date i start playing 150 pretty much every day okay so it was you you had the same same kind of thing as me it sounds so, like yeah. kind of an instigating win that i was like okay i want to try to push this a little bit see, see what i can do with this new money that i've got in my account oh for sure yeah once you once you know it's possible for you to do it i yeah. mean you're you gotta go after it um, so yeah, that's, so yeah, I guess I did have a big win that kind of got me into it. Um, and back then it was all FanDuel. Um, and it looks like, uh, I did that for about a year or so in the 2018 MLB season in April, I, I switched almost completely to DraftKings. Okay. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. It's your choice. First Choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com renew to learn more. Seeing is believing, and you're not going to believe how bright and vivid the colors are on the Samsung Neo QLED and OLED TVs powered by the Neural Quantum Processor. Because this is an audio ad. Unless you can see it, which means you already have one. Nice. Samsung, more wow than ever. Uh, and that was after a win on, uh, on DraftKings MLB. And I don't know, right. I can't remember if FanDuel just... I didn't feel like I had an edge anymore, and I wasn't winning, and then I happened to win on DraftKings. I, DraftKings, it always looks so foreign to me. Uh, the website didn't look very yeah. inviting. Now it's the exact opposite. I mean, FanDuel annoys me to no end, yeah. their website and their app, and I really like DraftKings, so I don't know what I was. I was a different person back then. 
It's funny. I feel like we have sort of similar backgrounds in some ways in that I started, according to my Roto Tracker, I actually had my first couple entries in like 2010, but I really started playing wow. in 2013 regularly. Um, and then I also, I was on FanDuel and I started playing on DraftKings and it just, as a hand builder, I found FanDuel to be a lot easier because I could enter a bunch of the same contests and it was uh, easy for me using the UI to see when I make edits to a uh, lineup and then, you know, do them one by one. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas DraftKings, I, I still struggle with when I try to hand build in DraftKings, if it's in like a 150 max finding those uh duped lineups in mind uh maybe there's probably a way maybe we can talk about it later you can tell me you don't really hand build though i don't think but uh something i need to work on (laughs) but uh yeah kind of interesting that we have similar backgrounds in in those senses um is there so i know that you you use roto tracker you have studied it a little bit so do you think is there a point in time where you can kind of see looking back through it that like everything clicked like it was like suddenly something clicked and you became much more successful like overnight or was it something that over time you saw yourself uh getting better and better or did you have success right away i don't know if you started with a positive roi your first year and just continued from there How, how, how did it go for you in the beginning well, I didn't, I definitely did not make money right away. Uh, in the beginning, I kind of, well, I lost money. Uh, tread water, maybe, you know, depending on the length of the chart you're looking at. But for a good, at least four years there, kind of tread water, treaded water and, and lost money um, with a win here or there. Um, baseball, looking back at my rotor tracker, I've always had some success with baseball. Um, I actually did consider myself going full-time DFS about, well, in 2018, I guess. Yeah, that was 2018. Um, That was my first attempt at at being a pro DFS player, I guess. Um, And I lost my train of thought. What what was the question? Sorry. Uh, Just whether you were, everything clicked for you right away or if you... Uh, had success over time and and do you do you look at like your one percent uh finishes to see like how many lineups you're putting in the top one percent of the contest do you see a difference there over time i don't know if you've studied that at all but i'm just curious if, if you like can see can find little points in your uh process where you started getting better maybe you started listening yeah. to a different show or using different tools i'm just trying to pick up on whether that's something that you know you had something uh you learned clicked and suddenly everything changed for you and you got a lot better or if it was just a you know gradual growth gradual you know getting right. better experience no it wasn't gradual there was kind of a i guess an inflection point you call it um i was always pretty good at baseball i was in um a, a twitch stream uh, by a guy named Manny Laura who did DFS back then had a pretty big following and he kind of unlocked it to me that there's a um a particular type of lineup the lineup structure is what matters not the individual players so lineup construction is what so I kind of took that and ran with it you know five man stacks and started to see how I could apply that to other sports so based on that and some early success in baseball I had a plan to create a process for each sport make it as simple and as mathematical a process as possible um, and that's what i was working on when i found uh, jordan cooper online and um, do you remember that app that had like a map of the world and you could click on anywhere and it showed where people were streaming at that moment in the world that i never used that app okay well th- that's where i found jordan this was before you no way <laughs> yeah um and he would he would talk uh, baseball and football slates but also strategy um, and I just started consuming pretty much all his content um, that I could find on YouTube and all that. Because he really, he was able to verbalize things that I I knew from, from what I've been doing, the studying and, and you know, just playing. 
I knew what he was talking about, but I could never put it into words like he could. And it just made so much sense to me. So he would really get me in the in the right mindset to build for GPPs. Um, learned a lot from him. And um, yeah, so that that helped flip the switch for sure. And, you know, my Roto Tracker chart is pretty straight for five or six years and then kind of shoots up. Uh, yeah. Once we started just, you know, trying to make it a mathematical process and, and trying to be sm smarter about it. Yeah. And that's that's another way that we are very similar, that I was kind of treading water for several years and I was I had slight positive ROI. But I mean, it, it also if you once you start really winning, you look back and even that like seventy five hundred dollar win that you mentioned, you don't see that. That's a blip on your on your line right. on Roto Tracker at this point. So that's probably part of it. But uh, yeah, definitely. It took me several years to get better at DFS. And I think it helps listening to really smart players and hearing what they have to say. And I think uh, Blender is one of the best teachers out there. I'm, of course, doing a podcast with him every other week these days, his theory of DFS podcast I've been joining him on. And I always feel like I, I learn a lot from him as well. So definitely helps to have uh, smart people, you know, kind of teach you along the way. Yeah, I'm, I enjoy that podcast as well. I listen to it every every time it comes out. Yeah, and, and you were on it uh, before I was actually, and and before my first appearance on it, I asked you, you know, what kind of setup you had with your camera and your mic and stuff oh, that's to right. get an idea how to do. It. I think that was our first actual conversation on Twitter, which is kind of funny. I think um, it was. Yeah, you asked me about the equipment. Yep. Yep. That's right. So um, yeah. Let me take a minute to tell you about our sponsor, No House Advantage. No House Advantage is bringing you a different way to enjoy DFS with player props contests. It's 100% peer to peer to help level the playing field. Over 500 player props are offered, and all new users get a $25 deposit bonus with promo code AWESEMO. That's A-W-E-S-E-M-O. NOS Advantage has mass entry capability and big prize pools. Beat your friends, not the house. Use our NOS Advantage projections and optimal lineup tool to help you take down big prizes. Download in the App Store or play on nohostadvantage.com. So, so obviously you uh, consume some content, but let's let's get into your uh, strategy and process first, and maybe we can discuss the kind of content you uh, listen to as we go. Um, but a lot of listener qu listener questions kind of revolved around your process, and particularly how you are efficient enough with it that you can maintain another job while playing DFS. Um, you mentioned that it's, it's not a full-time job and that you're not actually working 40 hours a week these days, but any kind of job takes up some of your time. So you don't have, you, you can't be doing, you know, the 80 hours a week, like chess is okay on DFS, I assume. So you've got to be kind of efficient with it. Uh, so let's yeah. talk about your process just a little bit uh, and to what extent you may have automated it over the years. Um, some some standard questions I've been asking everybody. Do you do any simulations or use simulations from outside sources at all in your process? Well, I, I certainly don't do my own simulations, but I use data from simulations. As you know, the Osmo Boom Bus tool. Um, Runthesims.com I use for uh, NFL Showdown. Um, so that's I'm not using that website to the to its full advantage, but I like it. Um, those are the only two simulations that I that I can think of that I'm, that I'm using. Okay. But yeah, nothing on my own. Uh, and I, what did, about... I did find success when I was working a full-time job. So right. um, back in the past. So yeah, I can get some tips on that. Nice. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and do you use an optimizer? Yes. Yep. I use fantasy cruncher. I knew the answer to that question, of course, but you know, just gotta make sure that nothing's changed since the last time you you did your interview with with Blender. I know. Uh, well, I, I mean, I guess I need to look up when I first started using Fantasy Cruncher because uh, I wonder if that was in 
2013. I don't know how long they've been around. Probably before then. Oh, you've been using it since since 2013. Since there was. Well, since no, I'm saying I, I wish I I need to look that up to see if I okay. if I was. I was probably using. Uh, I started out with Roto Grinders back in the day. Right. And you know, still am a Roto Grinders member. Um, so I, they're kind of a backup. Um, the lineup HQ. So you can use their optimizer as well. If if Fantasy Cruncher crashes or something, you have the ability to go in and like you have enough knowledge of that optimizer to use it if you need to. Yeah, to get some live lineups in at least, I can I can do that pretty fast. Um, and then I've also uh, and this is simulations as well. I'm not sure I totally understand it, but I've been working uh, doing some things on SaberSim. Okay. Familiar with SaberSim? Yeah, familiar. Um, I've never used it, but I'm I'm familiar okay. with it. Yeah, I'm trying. I don't like it for every sport, uh, but I'm trying to. I'm trying to use it for golf. Okay. Um, because I don't, I never paid much mind to golf, but there's a lot of money in golf. So I need to start getting into it. Yeah. Well, you have at least one win in, in your record uh, in PGA, like on your first page of your top wins is golf. Uh, who knows? It could have been yeah. something where you were duped with other people. I know some of my top scores are actually like, I didn't win that much money. <laughs> it's just a showdown where I was duped a hundred times, but uh, no, so that, I know was, you've done... uh, that was about a year and a half ago. And I took first for 200, that was my biggest win at that time yeah nice okay so it is so you you have had some success at golf maybe not relative to the other sports where you just win every week but uh you've at least won in golf in the past i have but it wasn't on a process that i can um it was not a process that i could repeat okay uh, the way i did it so i can get into how i did it if you want but it's not something i could repeat um yeah let's talk about it what what did you do that you can't repeat with that process (laughs) Well, it was, uh, I watched a video on Roto Grinders um, and it was STL cards showing his process for that specific tournament and just kind of dropping, uh, you know, dropping knowledge the whole way along and basically gave me the player pool. I think it was like 33 or 39 golfers that he would use. And I never saw another video quite like it, but it gave me the exact player pool. And then I just instituted some rules that he talked about along the way. And you know, did some things for uh, for ownership and spit out 150 and threw them in there. And then, wow, yeah, that Sunday I'm I'm sweating the the first place at a hockey game with my brother. Um, and that was, I mean, that was one of my first. Well, that was my biggest win. It's basically tied for my biggest win ever. Um, you just yeah. had one in NFL showdown this year. I know that was around 200,000. So right, I think I got three 200s now. But that was my first 200, and that kind of. You know that's that's the bankroll, the DFS bankroll, if you will. Like once I got that, I could start playing higher stakes and yeah, that'll and help. Like that and yeah, get beat up more and yeah. <laughs> I don't think you've been getting beat up that much. I think relative to to most people out there, it seems like you're doing okay. Well, um, in the higher stakes, I really enjoyed your conversation with Petty last episode where you talked about the move to higher stakes and getting beat down because that's been my experience. Um, except for baseball, you know, every sport's different in DFS. Yeah. Um, but basketball high stakes, I just, I get crushed. So, okay. Yeah. I was, I was wondering about that. Cause I know that you had several high stakes wins in MLB this past summer. Yes. Um, but I, yeah. And actually I had one in MLB this summer as well. So maybe MLB is one where, uh, where I would excel. Maybe I could try that for high stakes as well, but yeah, I definitely get beat down in NBA. So, uh, glad to hear that. It's not uh, just easy for everybody, but me. <laughs> definitely not. Did you miss your deadline to renew your Medicaid coverage? You can still send your completed annual review form to Healthy Connections Medicaid. You may be assigned to another health plan, but you can ask to come back to First Choice within 60 days of renewed Medicaid eligibility. It's your family. 
It's your choice. First choice is the right choice. Renew and choose us. Visit selecthealthofsc.com slash renew to learn more. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Uh, Maybe right, for Petty, I don't know. He, he I mean, for Petty, it seems right. to be. He, yeah. He was like, yeah, I don't really remember ever struggling with it. it sounded like he was, <laughs> he was, which maybe he just doesn't remember, but uh, I get the impression that he probably was. And he, I think it's partially because he uses his own projections, and that's just pretty, pretty helpful. And, you know, they, they're great projections, and he just knows what he's doing. So he doesn't need to adjust as much, maybe, as, as we do when we're playing uh, the, you know, from large field to small fields. If you maybe you don't right. need to adjust as much if you're using your own projections. Um, which, speaking of that, next question: Do you create your own projections from scratch? Oh no, definitely not. Okay, uh, I've always felt like that wasn't worth it. You know, maybe five years ago or something. Yeah. Um, and you know, petty theft would disagree, and he's winning at NBA. So he just won well, last I, night. Another another hundred fifty thousand yeah, last night. Exactly. So I think he would disagree with me on NBA for sure. Um, but I don't. I don't particularly like sports anymore, or in, you know, I don't follow sports news. Um, I'll watch games if if I have a sweat involved or if it's like the, some player I have a ton of just to see what happens. But um, OK, yeah. So no, uh, no, no, as far as making my own projections, no, I just I take them from um, Osmo or aggregate them from another site. You know, okay. I, I'm incorporating randomness and rules and groups. OK, um, so, you know, people ask me what projections I use, but then I'm also using randomness. So that kind of. Yeah, yeah. No, we'll, we'll get there. Water, we'll get but, there. Yeah. Okay. I, I got plenty of questions about uh, what, what yeah. else you set. And, you know, I don't want to obviously get into your exact settings because I'm sure you're probably like me in that they probably change day to day. And obviously, sport to sport, you can't use the same projections for everything or the, the same rules for everything in uh, Fantasy Cruncher. But, um, you know, at least for me, it changes uh, pretty frequently. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to get into your process a little bit more. Um, and, and let's talk about them kind of individual sports. Uh, we had a question about NHL and it's currently NHL and NBA season. So let's start there. Uh, I saw that recently you uh, were playing NFL. That was a lot in your recent history. You had a lot of NHL scores. Is that something that was just because it was NBA All-Star break or do you regularly play NHL? Nope. It was just because of the NBA All-Star break. <laughs> okay. So and we don't need to. It's like an annual thing for me now to uh, get back to my roots in the NHL, even though I guess I got third place the other night, but I think overall I probably lost a little bit of money this all-star break in the NHL. Okay. Um, but I mean, it really is, it's just not that difficult sport, at least to build for, you know, I'm not taking first every night or, or, or winning, but uh, lineup construction wise, I mean, there's a certain way to go. And so okay. kind of, that, that makes it easier. Is it similar to, to MLB where it's like, you do, do you full stack or do you have like one off I've, I've never, yeah. I, I have, I shouldn't say, I've played NHL, but like it was a couple of years ago, I played like, you know, a couple nights and then I totally forgot what I did. I know there's stacking involved, but is it similar to MLB or is there, is it kind of its own animal? Yeah. No, it is similar to MLB. You got the goalie that's kind of like a pitcher and then um, popular stacks are four, three. Okay. Um, or three. Is, is it eight total uh, players yeah, outside the goalie? I think nine, maybe. Okay. So you say, so four, three, and then two one-offs? uh yeah and one of them is a goalie 
So okay. four three and one off on a goalie, and then three okay. three two is another popular um, as far as upside goes. And I might not be up to date on the latest, but as far as I know, it's those are the two stacks that you want to you want to roll with. But I, I definitely have not looked what's going on in hockey lately. Okay. Although I still see the same people, uh, what testosterone and what is it? BB I'm a Jeep or something like that. Always. Oh yeah, BB I'm a Jeep. Yeah. Yeah, they're always taking down hockey. It seems like. Yep. These are players I've heard of. Don't see them as much in in all the sports that I play. Not really NBA players. I don't think as much, um, but I, I'm familiar with the names. Um, did have a, a listener question, uh, which uh, they asked which site you use for ownership and projections for NHL. Uh, do you do you use Osmo for those? Do you do uh, uh, aggregating for that? How do you? What do you yeah, use for, for NHL? Uh, for these NHL games? I aggregated between Osmo and Roto Grinders. Okay. Yeah. Just cool. Kind of, you know, a little macro in Excel to combine them together. Because, um, you know, then I'm going to add on randomness and, yeah. All right. Well, that's as much time as I want to spend on NHL because I really want to dive into your <laughs> NBA process because I play NBA. I see oh. you in it all the time. You're doing great. Uh, and your process is, I think, pretty involved. It's actually, I think, in a lot of ways similar to mine is my understanding, but I'd love to hear about it a little bit more because I think that it's kind of a more advanced, uh, actually, process than mine. Um, so somebody asked, for NBA, how long before lock uh, do you start your process? Uh, so around here, lock is usually at 6 o'clock. And um, if if I had the time, I'll start at four uh, with the Osmo show. With uh, it's usually Ship and Laffy at yep. four o'clock. Um, I've been watching them for a long time. Um, sometimes I will start at like four thirty or four forty-five and watch them at two x. Um, but yeah, usually I'm caught up live with about fifteen minutes to go before lock. Um, whether I start at four or four thirty, you know, kind of do things in between. But it also depends on the slate, uh, how many games lock at six. Uh, yep. uh, never before four. Now, a year or two ago, I'd listen to the show in the morning and do stuff. But with with COVID and all that, you know, everyone being out, and it just didn't make any sense to do anything in the morning, really. So you you watch my shows all the time, and you've made the comment that we are really similar. And everything you say, I'm like, you're just describing me exactly. Like that's exactly <laughs> me. I ne I never start before two hours before lock. It's and I and I used to uh, same thing. I used to watch all the morning shows and stuff. And and I think as a, a new player, you can learn a lot from those shows. They're actually like just the way they talk about the slates when they do review from the night before. I think that there's a lot that you can take away from that. It's just once you've been playing as long as you and I have. Uh, it's not as necessary and you don't, you know, you got to allocate right. your time a little bit differently. So uh, yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I start, you know, usually it's more like an hour and a half, maybe hour, 45 minutes uh, before lock, depending also on how many games there are. And then I'm listening at 1.5 X or two X. Uh, so very similar. <laughs> That's really funny. Well, and um, NBA is a beast. Like I, I'm always more comfortable if I can, if I can hear Adam or uh, Rinpak break down a, break down a slate because there's stuff they talk about that aren't in projections and they know the game. Um, you know, that's, that's kind of the edge that Petty has. He knows the game inside and out and the, and the current players and rotations and all that. So uh, in NBA, there's an edge. So, But in other sports, don't don't really need to watch the shows like MMA, golf. You don't really need to. Yeah. Yeah. I actually, I, I watch shows. I, I just watch an hour show for each MMA and golf. Um, but NBA for sure is one that I, I think it's completely necessary just because I'm, I'm like you. I don't watch every game. I like watching basketball. Uh, it's, you know, something that I just enjoy doing sometimes. I'm going to the Timberwolves game tonight, uh, but I probably okay. watch one to two games a week. I'm not watching every game. I'm not really digging into the numbers 
uh, on my own. And that's partially just because I know I don't have to because they do such a good job of it, talking about it on uh, Deeper Dive and Live Before Lock. So it's really not necessary. They'll tell me all that I need to know about how the rotations are changing and, and what might be going on that night. So yeah, I, I don't always find it necessary to do on my own so that's funny that uh you're listening to the same things that i am at the at the same time that i am it sounds like well the number of viewers gets i mean gosh i see them at like two is it three thousand viewers or am i yeah. making that up two thousand maybe it sounds about right yeah that's a lot of viewers. yeah yeah people people have learned that it's uh that they do a pretty good job so yeah it's, it's helpful for sure uh at, at what point do you start going into your uh fantasy cruncher and making adjustments and kind of trying to play around with it uh, we, we're talking about building for the NBA slate. Yep, for NBA. Oh well, pretty much right away. You know, the okay. the video is a game. They go game by game. Um, so I just go right along with them. And, oh, nice. Uh, yeah, and you know, I I transferred some data from Osmo over to Fantasy Cruncher. Um, you know, the, the boom bust type stuff. Okay. Um, you know, the boom. You, you can boom bust. You can export it and import it right into Fantasy Cruncher and have it right there. Um, so I've heard that you get, I, I have never actually done that myself. I've heard that you can, is that something that saves overnight or do you need to do that every day? Oh, that's a daily thing. It doesn't save okay. overnight. All right. Um, yeah. So I'll update that, uh, gosh, 10 times a night, five, 10 times a night, something like that, you know, cause with all the projection and ownership changes. Right. Um, and then I bring data in from rotor grinders as well and kind of do some stuff in Excel with that just to combine it. Nothing, nothing crazy. Okay. Hey, so uh, you're you're starting in pretty early. Now what's that? So you're starting in pretty early with your actual process. I do. So for me, this is one way that we are different. I listen for a while before. I, actually, I usually don't open it until oh, probably an hour before lock. I don't really start doing anything. So that's uh, just because, especially now with how off, how quickly things change closer to lock, I feel like mm -hmm. it's just, I don't really want to start bothering until then. But uh, Gotcha. Yeah, I throw that stuff in there and listen to them go game by game and, and just start cutting people off teams I don't even want to play, you know, just based on boom. Uh, percentage usually okay. uh, and that just you know and the whole time i'm crunching just to see what what changes that made you know taking this guy out what what changes what do the lineups look like now yeah um important but, to actually look at the lineups yeah yeah and, and so you you mentioned on the theory of dfs podcast when you were a guest with blender uh that you heavily edit your player pool for nba and it, when you say that do you mean that you intentionally zero out players so that it's like there, there's no chance you're going to get them right yeah i just take them out of the pool Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, if you look at lineup study, you'll see pros. It kind of runs the gamut. Some don't seem to mess with the player pool at all. Some take a lot of players out. Um, I I couldn't tell you, you know, on such a game slate, I have this many players, but it's usually I feel like it's usually around thirty-five or forty. Wow. Okay. Players, because you know, I just don't see any reason keeping a player in a pool that doesn't have, that never has ceiling games. Okay. Um, and you're and you say you're using the boom bus tool for that. Right. For deciding who you're taking out. Yeah. So, you know, I don't want someone with a 2% boom and an optimal of like 0.2%. Like, why would I want them to end yep. up in the lineup? And also with the less players, I just feel like I have more control over over what's happening. It's not going to slide some random guy in that I didn't Does know. Does that ever become an issue during late swap where like somebody, you know, is looks terrible in the boom bust tool and you forget to go in and, you know, so, then somebody's hurt. So that they're, you know, become more relevant and maybe do have a better boom chance. Do you ever like forget to re-add a player? Is that ever a concern for you or not something, something that you uh, can control for? Well, it might've happened, but I can't think of it. I can't remember that happening. Okay. I mean, I've had a couple, I've done a late swap before where I left teams off um, and didn't realize it. So I just basically X'd out whole games. Um, 
And do, and do you do that regularly where you where you eliminate an entire game from your player pool? No, not usually. Okay. Um, usually I'll have at least one or two guys from a team, but that's not a that's not a set rule. I mean, if there's a horrible looking game, you know, like a 200 total with everyone healthy and it's an 11 game slate or something, I got no problem Xing them out. Like, yeah. And it, it kind of starting, you know, basketball is where I. For the best TV viewing experience, witness the coziest maroons, the most vibrant and brightest moons, the eeriest and darkest tombs, and radiant and vivid hues in any type of room with the Neo QLED and OLED TVs by Samsung. We're supposed to say Samsung, but that didn't rhyme, so <laughs> you're welcome. Samsung, more wow than ever. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Really learned the most. I mean, it's a difficult sport to play, but I saw the same guys winning or doing well every night. So I knew there was there was some kind of secret to it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, just yeah, a lot of research, uh, looking at winning lineups and um doing the line of study stuff. And you can see, uh, I, well, at least I started to see the winning lineups have some commonalities as far as like salary, how many players from each team. Um, and then when you drill down and look at the pro who's playing it, you can see they never play this guy with that guy. And that yeah. kind of st- that kind of stuff just gave me ideas for a process. And that's kind of what I, what I put together. And that, that's another thing that you mentioned to Blender, that you actually go team by team to create groups to eliminate negative correlation. Is that something you do every night, no matter like how many games are mm-hmm. on the slate or what the slate is like? You go and create groups? I do, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think it's important. I, um, I think a lot of people don't, you know, sometimes they'll do it if it's an obvious situation. And I'll hear them sometimes on the Ostima show and they're like, I want to play more than two of these three guys. I'm always like, I want to play more than one of those three guys on, you yeah. know, on a bigger slate. Yeah. Uh, just because there's so many more options and I feel like making the groups really makes me different, especially because yeah. I'm so restrictive. And yeah, every once in a while I'll, I'll look at the winning lineup and see, well, I remember making that rule and because of that rule, I was never going to win, but that's not, that's not too often. You know, yeah. there's that. And then I'll see a player that I left out of my pool in the winning lineup. And that's happened less and less to me as, as time goes on just with experience. But yeah, that has happened before. Okay. And, you know, if I make a rule that, that makes it impossible for me to win then you know i just i lose and yeah, play you can, yeah. exactly yeah. you live 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 another day tomorrow that's really interesting that's a so your your process is way more involved than mine is uh, and it sounds like it's pretty advanced um so how many how many groups would you say you create on like a random like a wednesday with a 10 game slate how many groups do you think you typically create um on a 10 game slate i would guess it, it would be around 10 to 20 okay 15 20 yeah probably not 25 maybe 20 max okay so not necessarily every team you don't necessarily find correlations just you find certain teams where you need you feel like you need to set these correlation rules yeah especially on a on a big slate what's the um oh i'm trying to think of actual basketball players there's what's the team with uh d'angelo russell the Patrick Beverly, <laughs> yeah that's my team I, yeah there you that's, go your team yeah, yeah. Uh, beverly help me out here who are the three patrick beverly uh d'angelo russell and uh, Ant Edwards. Edwards, yeah. 
So for a while there, it's, you know, if you look at game logs, it looks like Edwards and Russell kind of trade off big games. Um, and then you got Beverly in the mix too. But if you just start looking at that, I mean, it's going to be a very rare game where both Edwards and one of those other two guys are both in a winning lineup of a 10-game NBA slate. And, you know, if they are, then you should probably run it back with someone from the other side. And there's, so there's a group for you too if you want it. Do, do you uh, set those groups for the, you know, uh, give me a run back if I have these two together? Do you set that kind of group? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, it, it usually only happens on smaller slates um, because I usually only set it for the the expensive players on one team. If it wants to play both expensive players on one team, then I'm going to want to run back the highest projected guy from the other team. Or thereabouts, you know, I might add another one. Um, but, yeah, I definitely do that. Or I'll just say, you know, don't play them together. Like Chris Paul and Devin Booker, I don't play them together, like ever. Wow, okay. I, I think it's burnt me once a year or two ago but other than that like i mean maybe there was like a three game slate or something i wouldn't do that on a two or three game slate but right. on a regular even a six game slate like probably not gonna play them together almost ever okay and is this do, do the group save overnight I, I i feel like they might but uh you, you probably know no. better than i do can you you can't save a group yeah. from one night to the next you can save it you can okay. save it um, but it doesn't save automatically you have to press the buttons okay um, yeah yeah but you know, I did that for a while a couple of years ago and would load them in and you'd have all sorts of groups that didn't have anything to do with the games that were playing that day, you know, because okay. you have saved Dallas Mavericks groups and they're not playing today. Right. So you'd have to go through and delete them. And I just I feel more in touch and in tune with the slate when I do it by hand, basically. And I can do it pretty quick just by experience, you know, looking at the teams. I have regular groups. I play with these teams like. Like right. Jaron Jackson and Steven Adams, I don't want them in the same lineup. That's like an automatic group. So and it's just in my head. And then everything else gets filled in by uh, by the awesome guys on YouTube. Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. So that's a part of your process that is much more involved than mine. I know uh, I, I don't set that many groups unless it's really obvious. And I'll, I'll set more, I think, on uh, larger slates. I don't know, actually, which I set more on. So right. how many would you say you do on, on a three-game slate? How many groups would you say you typically set? Uh, it really is it proportionate? Be, no, you would think it would be proportionate, but it it really can be the same. Like I've had three game slates, I, I believe, with ten groups. Okay. Um, I, it's hard to imagine right now, but that sounds right. Uh, I you know it just depends on who's playing, but also what the lineups are looking like. You know, I might look at lineups and they just all look chalky to me. And by making this one group, I can get a lot different. And yeah, okay. But no, it's not really proportionate. Yeah, it's. I mean, it, that actually makes sense to me. That wouldn't necessarily be that you just every every slate is different, right? So you just want to look at it differently for every slate and find ways to right. find an edge. And with the smaller slates, you can get much more into like the. You can do lots of teeny tiny groups that are probably never going to come up. Like FC is not trying to make that decision, but just in case, because I'm going to do things with ownership and and projection later and stuff, and maybe it'll throw some of those guys in there. Right. Okay. Uh, and do you, do you ever use the checkbox to only give boosts? You you know, in, in groups in Fantasy Cruncher, you can check a little box and change and say like, give me a ten percent boost if I'm using this yeah. player, or a or a negative ten percent boost if I'm using this player to these other players. Do you ever do that, or do you just fully exclude players from groups? Oh, I do that. Yeah. Okay. I add the boost. Um, not every night. Um, I've done it maybe ten times. I kind of. 
I'm not, I don't have a real good grip on how, okay, so the problem is if you put in like plus 10%, you have to recrunch and then you really have to look at how that affected your lineups. At least I do. I don't feel as in control of what's happening when I do that. Um, So it's, I don't know, it kind of takes some extra time to do. And sometimes with some of the other things I do, I feel like the, the plus five or 10% gets compounded. Okay. It's not what I want. Um, So Maybe I just don't have enough experience with it, but I've been playing around with it a little bit. Okay. So not a big part of your process. You're usually setting groups. So right. you, you know, only get one out of the two or one out of the three and it's a hard rule. It's not like, uh, you know, give me less of these guys together. It's right. Like, just groups to, to rule out negative correlation. As I've yep. always said, cause you know how you got to think, how are these two guys both going to have ceiling games? What, what is that game going to look like? How are these guys going to both be in the winning lineup? Yeah. And yeah, no, I, you got me thinking that I need to uh, that I need to adjust my process and get a little a little bit more involved because uh, I mean it makes a lot of sense what you're saying to to do these groups and yeah. you've had a lot of success with it so maybe well I, I think what started me on that was uh, was Blender talking about how you know the importance of looking at your lineups yeah uh, you know going one by one like would I build this and so everyone should be doing that and if and I think that's kind of where I got a bit obsessive with groups because I'd okay. find like well I don't want those two guys together like there's a group and just kind of. Yeah spiraled from there and i know uh, people have said I, I know blender has said this i think others have as well that you know even when you're using an optimizer really your goal is to make a lot of lineups that look like they were hand built so oh. i think it sounds like you are really getting in control of that whereas i sometimes will have lineups where i'm like oh i probably wouldn't have wanted those two players together although i set caps on like the number of players from a team and stuff so i kind of do it in different ways to some extent but yeah for mm-hmm. sure you're, you're doing it the way you're doing it is more advanced and probably is you know helping you gain some EV on guys like me who are maybe being a little bit too lazy with it. Um, so so I know that there are a number of pros who don't use any randomness in Fantasy Cruncher uh, because they like to have complete control over their player pool. I think you mentioned earlier that you use randomness, but I uh, just want to double check. Are you in the camp, uh, the, the no randomness camp, or do you use some randomness uh, in, in your approach to NBA? I use randomness um, okay. in all sports, I think, um, especially in NBA. Not just for the speed of the crunch, um, but also just to mix things up. Um, I mean, a lot, you might be able to boil my process down to just cutting out all the players who I don't think are going to be in the winning lineup. So I just have the player pool of players I think are going to be the winning lineup. And then I'm going to try to jumble them up in ways that other people aren't doing. And every once in a while, it works out and I, and I get first. Yeah. I mean, One way to describe it. So I definitely use randomness. Okay. And, you know, that's just, uh, I have a different process than other people because I'm not as confident in, in basketball and just kind of like the scatter guys around a bit more, I think. Yeah. And does it vary by sport, like the amount of randomness that you use? Like, do you use higher randomness in MLB, for example, because it's more random, essentially, and basketball is more projectable? Or do you use kind of the uniform amount across sports? No, every sport is unique. So I use a different um, amount of randomness for each sport. Um, and even each position in some sports, it's different randomness because they have different randomness. Yeah. Um, so I try to, I try to do that. And in the NBA, I'm using a standard deviation to get randomness. I'm just doing a little thing in Excel to get that and then throw it back in. Okay. So you're and, using every different player has its own randomness, has its own randomness. Right. Based on their standard deviation. Okay. Um, which is interesting. It gives the guys with lower projections, higher randomness. So you might get them more often. Um, a couple of years ago, I just had a set number that I used, um, but I, I like I like this way more. 
And this year, especially I've with late swap, I start reducing the randomness as I late swap. Okay. So I don't know how much of an effect that has, but I've liked some of the results from doing that. Do you do a lot of tinkering? So that's that's part of my process too. As I late swap, I am typically becoming less restrictive and letting uh, Fantasy Cruncher do its job more. So I'm mm-hmm. reducing randomness to try to get, you know, especially if there is big breaking news. I think you can, get, you can gain an advantage because if a player's projection goes up by a lot, you probably want more of that player. So if you reduce randomness and his projection has gone up a lot, you're going to get more of that player by not having a lot of randomness on there. And that's kind of a way to gain edge. But there, are there other ways that you, you know, change things up in fantasy cruncher uh when you're going to use late swap to make sure that it's giving you lineups that you want like do you you know reduce the number of groups ever or like allow it to give you more players from the same team do you any do you do anything like that to uh adjust for late swap i can i mean it's all and i have it's all slate specific okay really it just depends on news and how many teams are left and i kind of look at nba slates well i do look at nba slates as having tranches like the first tranche of games at six to six six thirty, and then you got the final tranche at like nine. I'll kind of do things at each one of those intervals, um, like reducing randomness or lessening some of the restrictions I've put on what the lineups have to do ownership or projection wise. Yep. Just based on, especially lately, you know, I have a minimum salary of forty nine thousand seven hundred on NBA lineups, um, but a couple of weeks ago there were some nights where. To late swap effectively, you really had to remove that. And I think even a lineup below 49.7 won a tournament, which is very rare. Um, so, yeah, do little things as the night goes on to, yeah. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay. And you you, actually, you mentioned on Blender's pod that you uh, you also set a cap on the ownership projection for a given lineup. Is that something that you still are do you, do you do that for most of your lineups when you are uh, crunching out lineups? You set a cap on the sum ownership of your lineup. Ownership sum, yeah, uh, yeah, almost always on a big NBA slate. I don't usually bother with it actually lately, um, just because of all the craziness that happens after lock i figured why bother um, okay um, so what i've been doing there is, is looking at players in the early games to kind of cap based on the optimal and boom percentage at osmo so that i don't fill up on the early value and then a lot of stuff opens up later okay um nice yeah so you uh, you no go ahead oh as far as the were you asking about capping individual players yeah or am i jumping ahead uh you you're jumping so so i asked you about uh whether you change you do individual randomness for individual players but yeah that is that is something that i wanted to get to so you said on blender's pod 
uh, that you use the late swap optimizer tool in Fantasy Cruncher to create lineups even before lock, which a lot of people probably don't know you can do that, but that's actually what I do as well um, mm -hmm. using the, the late swap advisor tool. But because you're using that, you can't crunch out more lineups that you, than you're going to use, or at least I don't think that there is a way to uh, create more lineups than, like you can't crunch out 500 if you only have 150 uh, in your- Correct. Yeah, you're totally right. Yeah. So then be because of that, you can't create more lineups. So what do you do to shape how much you get of a given player? Uh, so that, that that is a question that I was getting to. So do you set like a universal exposure cap on players or do you do it player by player? Yeah, well, yeah. my universal exposure cap is 100%. Um, okay. Really most of the time, like I don't restrict. The only time I started restricting is just uh, a couple of weeks ago with those crazy slates where we know we're going to have news. I'll start um, capping guys early. Because, you know, I don't want 60% of some value guy who's going to be 35 or 40% owned when there's all sorts of unknowns later in the night. Um, so I'll cap there. Um, but otherwise, I don't cap. Even and individually? You don't, you don't cap players individually either? Correct. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I'll leave, just leave it at 100%. Yeah. Um, and then I'll do things like require a minimum projection for my lineups and or maximum ownership sometimes. Okay. Um, that... So I know where my player exposures are at. Um, of course, somebody would say it's not it's not the player exposures, but it's the lineups. Um, but I know where my player exposures are, and I'm crunching out 300 every time and and looking at them. Um, so I know approximately what it's going to be when I use the late swap feature to to do 150. Okay, so uh, so you do you do crunches before you put in the late swap just to see what your player exposures would be with 300 lineups, just to get an idea of your uh, your pool. Yeah, before I use the late swap optimizer to actually put my lineups in, um, you know, I've been I've been working on the slate for probably at least an hour, at least, and yeah, I've probably done like you know thirty or forty crunches by that time. Um, I, I, I kind of crunch obsessively as I'm making changes, just to kind of keep current with what it looks like right now. Yep. Um, so yeah, by the time we're getting close to lock, and I start using the late swap optimizer feature to actually get lineups in, like I, I know what those lineups look like and who's in them until the first late swap really okay uh and, and do, do you use like the maybe maybe you control for this by putting a cap on your ownership which is something that i don't do um, but i'm curious if you use like the thumbs up feature in fantasy cruncher or do you ever adjust the projections to get to different exposure levels that you like i rarely use the thumbs tool i, I think it nudges the projection by eight percent okay um, but I think if you have a minimum projection required from your lineups, I'm not sure it accounts for that. Um, although it, maybe it does based on the percentages I've gotten in the past. Okay. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure if it does. I don't, I don't really use the thumbs up feature either just because I do use, I adjust projections manually. So is that something yeah. that you do? Do you adjust the projections or do you just control your exposures through other means? Yeah. Um, I don't adjust projections very often at all. Maybe, once a week maybe if i'm just getting so much of a guy and he's burnt me a million times before and i'm just not i don't want my whole night to rest on that guy then yeah i'll, I'll probably change projections a little bit but i really try not to get involved i'm all about taking bias out of the game and you know i don't know like i gotta trust the projections really because i don't follow it close enough to know you know i don't know anything about the matchup or who's i mean i kind of know who's good at defense who people talk about and stuff but I don't know rotations or anything like that. So yeah, I just got to go with the, with the projection. And if it says that I should be playing 90% of, uh, of some scrub who has a lot of opportunity tonight, then I'll probably just do it and 
Yeah, but that's that's it. You're, you're saying that, but that's because it that it says you should get ninety percent using the uh, the adjustments that you've made to you know the max uh, ownership in a lineup and also the randomness for individual players. So you do a lot of other things. So you don't really need to make those kinds of decisions because it's kind of telling you like this player is too good to not have ninety percent of them after you've already accounted for right. You know, and I'll say I'll say I will say on NBA that I use I I think I use more randomness than people would think. Okay. And that helps not to get to not to get, you know, 80% of three different players or something. That's true. Yeah. But sometimes with with the amount of randomness I use, I'll get max like 55% of a player. Okay. Yeah. So you're using more randomness than I am, I think. Because sometimes even with the randomness that I use, if I don't continually adjust projections and recrunch, I'll get hundred percent of sometimes several players. So mm-hmm. um so you well, must especially be... lately, the last month or two, I mean that that has made sense a couple of nights for sure. Yeah, but you're also, I mean, you're you're using it in a very intelligent way. If you're doing individual using standard deviations, uh, that's pretty advanced stuff to be, oh. you know, doing it by by player. Whereas I'm just, I set one randomness uh, for for all players. Typically, I mean, I depending on the sport, sometimes, like you said, uh, different positions, I'll do different randomness, and there are, you know, some differences there. But uh, in general, I'm just right. doing standardized uh, across the board. So that's well, a really I'm, smart way to play. One of these really smart guys in DFS could probably backtest all that and see see which one's best best r or whatever it is yeah tell us but yeah i don't i mean who knows if what i'm doing makes a difference um it looks like it does just just looking at your results i think it probably makes some difference you seem to be uh okay at this dfs thing i I put two wins together in nba um i don't know three to five weeks ago or so but besides that it has not been a fun nba season that's for sure how much are you playing uh, high stakes NBA these days? Have you have you given up that endeavor because you haven't had success at it, or are you still trying it? Trying no, to get that's better? correct. Yeah, I was not being competitive in NBA high stakes. So okay. um, after a week or so, just getting beat up every night, I just I quit playing. And honestly, this I started treating NBA as just just for fun. You know, I'm playing 150 for fun. Uh, I'm not going to be too worried about if I win or lose, and that's kind of helped me. Because uh, really, I feel like I'm waiting for baseball season to come back around, um, yeah. which is, was my best season. Um, but it's taking a lot of pressure off with the with the NBA. Yeah, um, not playing high stakes, you know, not making a ten thousand dollar mistake or something like I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, yep, that definitely makes sense. Yeah, baseball, you had an incredible season. I think your baseball season was one of the best seasons I've ever se- seen from somebody. You know, you you can't win a million baseball, right? So you you just had to win so many hundred thousand. Uh, uh, prizes and it seemed like you did regularly it seemed like it was I think I, I made the comment once it seemed like every every time I would win like 25 or 50,000 in baseball uh, this season you, oh, won you won 100,000 in a different tournament it's like anytime I won there you were winning more so uh, you definitely had a great season in baseball so what uh let's let's talk about baseball just for a minute because it is uh I would you know the, the sport that I think you're best known for even though you win at all these sports I think just your run at baseball last year is probably something that people are, are really curious about so um do you do this the same kind of process for baseball like are you setting uh any kind of uh max um max exposure in a lineup uh, an ownership sum for your lineups in baseball um are you using uh let, let's start there let's start w- one question at a time do, yeah. you, do you do the same kind of thing where you're using a max ownership sum in baseball and do you adjust it all for uh high stakes versus low stakes uh well i do uh i do use a max it's slate specific okay yep um and what was the follow-up? Sorry, high, high stakes versus low stakes. 
Yeah. Um, oh, we're talking about maximum ownership. So yeah, I do use it uh, for high stakes. I'd have to check my notes. Yeah, I have notes for each sport, like in an Excel okay. or Word file. Um, Smart. But I don't, maybe a little bit, but not too much. I mean, those high stakes tournaments, the 888 or whatever, those are pretty small. Uh, so I don't think I worried about ownership in those. Uh, okay. But, but this last season, yeah, I had success in high stakes, but really not much in the main, you know, the $15. Um, I need to check the stats on that. But yeah, that was kind of a, it's opposite of NBA, I guess. That's funny. It seemed like you won some of those as well. So that probably helps some winning a few of those tournaments. I'll have but, to double check. Yeah. But uh, ownership is, it's all slate dependent, of course, but ownership isn't that big a deal in baseball. Yeah. And what about your, like, when do you start your process for baseball? So we both said that we start for NBA maybe a couple hours before the slate starts. Do you do yeah. the same thing for baseball or, or is it, uh, can you do it in a shorter amount of time? What do you do there? You, you can do it in a shorter amount of time. I mean, it's not as nerve wracking as basketball. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, but I kind of enjoy it. I have a spreadsheet um, that I've shared with people before that I, that I kind of put the whole slate on so I can visualize it. I got all the pitchers and then all the teams and, you know, different percentages from different places, you know, the, the top stacks tool on Osmo. Um, and that way I can just see it all right in front of me on Excel spreadsheet. And then I, I have some sources that I've um, been reading or listening to for a long, long time. It's kind of tough to, you know, I have, there's, I guess you call them touts in baseball that I just trust. They're DFS touts. They talk about, uh, I guess, who they like, but it's, they're, they win. They win money um, okay. and have a history of winning. So they also talk about lineup construction. Um, and it's guys from RG and Osmo, Osmo Data. And I just kind of fill in the spreadsheet and I, I color code it. I have a whole process. Wow. And, uh, when I'm done, uh, as long as there's no lineup changes, you know, I can do that in the morning just as long as stuff's out. And I'll usually watch a live before lock um, and just make sure nothing big has changed. Uh, update okay. ownership and, and let it fly. Because, nice. you know, the top tax tool and the ownership is changing uh, as yeah. you get closer to lock. So I got to adjust for that. Um, so I start much earlier, usually in the morning. Um, but it's not like I'm putting in hours and hours, maybe an hour in the morning, okay. and then maybe half an hour before lock or something. I'll watch a show. Um, yeah, for baseball, I actually always watch the the rotor grinders live before lock with uh, with those guys. Okay, nice. So, so you it sounds like you you put in a lot more time than I do for baseball. I I spend way more time on basketball, and it's a lot more uh, effort for me in basketball. A lot of more, a lot more oh. mental effort. Baseball, I mean, I I think the important thing for me is that I you know change what I'm doing every slate, and it sounds like you are too. But it's still something that you know even even on a difficult slate, it's not going to take me more than an hour. I think most slates. So uh, that's uh, interesting mm -hmm. to hear how much effort you put into it. And, I mean, making spreadsheets and stuff. That's uh, that's a lot of mm -hmm. effort. That's uh, really impressive, and it's showing in your results for sure. I appreciate it. I mean, the what, spreadsheet is made. I just have to put a little bit of data into it for today's slate. And so it's not much much trouble at all. And, you know, baseball's got a nice pace. There's Basketball is just so difficult compared to all the others to, to really feel ready yeah. for. Yeah, basketball is the hardest because things change so close to lock. Most sports, I mean, even football, they tell you an hour and a half before it starts what, uh, you know, which players right. are in or out. So you don't really need to be waiting and making adjustments really late whereas basketball is just a minute before lock something big can come up so it's uh definitely the most stressful for me well, and, that, and with that i mean that's the edge right if the late news in basketball you have a minute to react and you do and you get a ton of the guy you're supposed to get and then you lose money that night uh, right yeah, yeah. 
because there, there's a lot of really solid players in basketball. There's, I think you, I think you said on Blender's podcast that it was like over twenty percent of the field is one fifty maxes in NBA. Uh, yeah, back right. when I was, yeah, it was like twenty five percent, which is a lot. <laughs> yeah, it is a lot. Um, so it's it really it's is a lot to be with. It's interesting. We talk about every sport is different, but each has its own kind of the GPPs change. We know at the beginning they're going to be bigger, and then we know about when they're going to get smaller and. And, and more ugly payout wise. Um, right. So yeah, hopefully we have a baseball season this year. I'm looking forward to the first few weeks. Yeah, me too. So, so speaking of baseball, so like what, what does your player pool look like in terms of, so I know you're doing a lot of stacking um, obviously, but do you, so say we're on a 10 game MLB slate, how many teams do you think you are using in stacks? Um, let's see. It's been a while since I had to do some baseball stuff. Yeah. But on a on a ten gamer, I am probably going to be stacking. I'll say 12, 12 teams, thirteen teams, maybe. Okay. Kind of depends on the ownership. I mean, hopefully the Yankees are playing at home because everyone loves the Yankees at home. Yeah. Hopefully they're in cores or something, and then you just fade them completely and and spread it out elsewhere. But Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. Laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Yeah, maybe 10 to 12 teams probably. So are you, it sounds like you would be more likely to fade the most negatively leveraged teams than the teams with the lowest odds of being the top stack in baseball. Is that typically your process? You're just, if a team is too negatively leveraged, you will eliminate them. Or is it like if a team has a 15% chance of being the top stack, uh, but they're owned 30%, are you still going to use that team just because their odds of being the top stack is, you know, the highest on the slate? Okay, so no, I wouldn't use that team if they have a 15% chance or a 30% on. So yeah, I'm getting rid of negatively lev- negatively leveraged teams um, based on the awesome top stacks tool. Okay. Pretty much. I kind of export that into uh, the Excel spreadsheet, which is not as fancy as people might be imagining. Um, <laughs> Sounds fancy. It's color, right? <laughs> I just, yeah, that's right. I have colors on it. Um, I paste the new top stacks tool and it, it instantly tells me, you know, what my percentages are. Because I can't, I tell the, the optimizer I want six percent of this team and five percent of this team. Yeah. So I based on the ownership, I can tell what my leverage is, what the field's leverage is, and you know if they're if the Yankees are being owned twice as much, I'm happy to just get rid of the Yankees. Okay. And, and go another way because baseball uh, is so much unlike other sports. You know, it's a, people say it's a game of failure. People are not likely to get hits. You know, usually so it's it's really easy for me just to fade in baseball fade the whole team and would you so so you fade the entire team or you I only fade the whole team i yeah fade the stack 
Okay. But I'll still get one offs, two offs. You know, if it's cores or something, yeah. Okay. So they you you could still include them in your secondary stack pool. For sure. Okay. Yeah, as one offs or because I just do five X, you know, I'll do like a five man stack and then maybe I'll get a two man stack, but I don't force it in anything. Oh, you don't uh, force in a two man stack. I no. Okay. I just get three one offs usually from different teams. Okay. Um and, and does I, that does that change for you depending on like the size of the slate and you know different aspects, the pitching and that kind of stuff? Do you do you sometimes do like four four man stacks, four three stacks? It's always a five man for you? I'll tell you what, it is always a five man for me. Sometimes I will I remember now that I'll force five three. Okay. Um yep. and that's I'd have to check my notes to remember when that could be advantageous. Is it weather games? Like if you have major weather concerns, you don't want one offs from people in weather games, so you you know force in only use them in stacks or i hadn't thought about weather i'm thinking okay. more of like how many teams are on the slate i feel like maybe that's a smaller slate yeah smaller slate strategy okay just a four or five game slate uh, i think i'm more likely to go five three but if you have a, a 10 game slate or a 15 game slate uh, you know the odds that a five three is going to take that down i don't think i don't do that kind of numbers but just based on experience i don't think i think i'd rather have five and three one-offs Interesting. So I, I take sort of the opposite approach. I think I, I think on larger slates, I'm on when there are a lot of games in the field, I'm more likely to use more correlation. And maybe it, maybe for me, it's often it's like five two with a one off, not five three. Um, I mix it up, you know, slate slate to slate. But I feel like I'm more likely to do that in a larger slate, and then in a smaller slate, uh, you know, use less correlation, especially if it's like great pitchers and there's not going to be you know that much scoring. I'll just hope for random batters to get hits in, in smaller slates but uh right yeah i don't i don't i don't actually know what's optimal there that's just you know i make some assumptions there so that's really interesting to hear yeah to do some more research when mlb comes around if it comes around we'll see we'll yeah. see what happens there but i feel like i should probably be copying your process a little bit more than than you should be paying attention to mine um <laughs> so what, what do you think so let, let's do a few listener questions because i asked for them and uh, we got some good questions somebody asked what do you feel is your biggest edge in dfs is there any particular small things you do differently than most successful dfs players and obviously you've you've covered a lot of them here but uh anything else you want yeah. to touch on that you feel is your, your biggest edge uh Let's see. I mean, nothing springs to mind. I think um, my experience is a big edge. Um, if you tallied up the number of hours I put into lineup study and lineup rewind, and this is uh, a, a year and a half, two years ago, um, for about a year back then with NBA, I, I was spending you know hours and hours a day researching and looking for ways to, to compete. Um, how are these guys winning money? or girls winning money every night, you know, um, I knew there was a secret there. So I spent a lot of time, learned a lot of stuff. Um, so I think a big edge is lineup study, study, you know, studying winning players. Uh, there's another, there's a product on Rotor Grinders as well. I can't remember what it's called, but it allows you to study. Uh, lineup HQ maybe, or I, I don't know. Yeah, it's, uh, something else. I think it made some improvements to it, but I haven't checked it out recently. Okay. Um, but yeah, I think you learn a lot from lineup study. I think a lot of players, especially that, that message me on Twitter. They just don't have the patience yeah. to look through that. You know, they'll look, okay, so here's 150 of Petty Thefts NBA lineups. You know, what do I do now? Right. And like, it's just like, well, you know, look at his lineups and right. uh, and start piecing stuff together. So I don't think people have much patience for that. Um, let's see. So I think experience is a big edge. I've played a lot. Um, yep. And can kind of sense. I, I guess, you know, kind of since what to do, obviously, in, in some situations, because they turn out well. So uh, just looking at 
things like ownership. Um, yeah, maybe that would be it. Maybe try to take the bias out of your your process and stick to the math. Yep. So projections, player projections, ownership projections. Like that's that's really all you need. Yeah, and that comes with experience, I think, being able to take that bias out. So that makes a lot of yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. And you, I mean, I feel like you've studied you study players more than just about anybody. I mean, you've been doing the 150 maxer analysis on Twitter for years, and that was I knew yeah. I knew about you as the guy who does the 150 max analysis before I ever knew you know much about you as a DFS player. I think be, before I realized how successful you were at DFS, I just knew you as the guy who mm-hmm. looked at what 150 maxes are doing. Well, I, and I really credit that with helping a lot. You know, I, I was trying to hold myself kind of publicly accountable for uh, to, to get better. So you know, posting those uh, slate reviews every day, people were kind of, you know, if I didn't post one, people would message me and be like, you know, where is it? Yeah. Um, and, you know, in order to post those, you have to look at the previous slate. You got to spend at least 10 minutes looking at the previous slate to see what happened. And I would end up spending 30 minutes. And if you spend 30 minutes on the previous basketball slate, just every day at the right things after a while, yeah, you know, things are going to start to soak in a little bit. Yeah. That makes sense. And, and now we've had, we have several uh, new Twitter people kind of replicating you a little bit, trying, trying to do what you did, analyzing the slates publicly. There have been. Uh, so. And there's one that's really good that does a, a newsletter. I don't think they're selling anything, but they cannot get any followers or, or just no one's interested in reading their stuff. But they're, I mean, yep. they're showing winning lineups for like the Super or the Pro Bowl last year, you know, just like right. it's fast stuff you should be looking at. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's good stuff. I, I think I maybe retweeted them once or tweeted about how how good their stuff was. Uh, but yeah, they, it's hard for for I guess those kind of sites to pick up much of a fall. Maybe because there's too much competition now. There's it used to be just you doing it, and now there's five or six out there. Oh, well, and just DFS content in general is just you know it's blown up. Yeah, or it feels like I mean you know maybe it's contracted. I don't know. I'm I'm in a DFS bubble anyway, so I yeah, can't. me too. <laughs> yeah. it feels like it has, but yeah. I, who knows? I know. Yeah, my friends would be like, you know, I never seen any DFS stuff. What are you talking about? So, right. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> um, so we, we've got several questions for you about efficiency. Um, all, all this says in terms of time efficiency, is there something you know now that you wish you knew when you started playing DFS? Yeah, I might, might go back to that previous answer. I wish, I wish I knew to trust the projections and ownership and lineup construction. For GPPs, you know, I, uh, I I play GPP, so I want lineup construction for each sport that gives you that upside, that ceiling. And there are lineup constructions for each sport that give you that upside. Um, so you want to stick to those lineup constructions and then use uh, use projections, right. not not bias. Get that out of there, and uh, that you know, practice that and get a procedure down, and you'll I think you'll be surprised how fast you can build lineups that you know nice. that are competitive. Yeah. NBA, NBA is a whole other beast because then you got late swap and all the news and all that, but at yeah. least you're starting from a solid foundation, maybe. Yeah. Go, going back to NBA, just I'm, I'm curious, how many crunches do you think you do typically on a large NBA slate, like before you're done, prior to lock, before you end up uh, with your um, final final lineup group? How many how many yeah. crunches do you think you do? Um, probably like forty or fifty would be my guess, and I'm not That's... studying each one. A lot of it is I'm. Um, re-crunching because I want the player exposures to be yeah. accurate as I go on to the next team to, to look at them and think about groups and stuff. Okay. Uh, so anytime I, when I'm done looking at a team and I've removed players and made groups, I'll re-crunch and go to the next team. Okay. Um, when you say team, you mean like an NBA team? Like you're looking, you do a crunch and then you see like the wizards, like how, how much am I getting from the players on the wizards or what do you mean by that? 
Yeah. Well, so I'm going game by game basically with the YouTube guys, right? And they're okay. going to start on the first game. Yep. Um, so I've done a crunch and I know where my stuff stands right now. And then I'll kind of go through the first game with them and remove players I don't want to play and think about if any groups are necessary. Once I've done that, I'll recrunch. Okay. And so I'm only looking at the player pool for that team. And then I'm going okay. to the next team that they're playing at the same pace as the YouTube guys type thing. That's really interesting. Yeah. I've, I've never done that. I mean, cause I, I don't start until after I've listened to the full hour and kind of gotten, you know, a, an overview of what oh, this I see what you're saying. Is, is when I start after that first hour. Oh, okay. No, I, I, I can't just sit there and listen because I'll get okay. distracted if I'm not focused on NBA DFS. Yeah. But I'll just start doing other stuff because I listen to the DFS stuff. You know, I listen to content, but it's like having the radio on or something. Or right. yeah. Um, so I'll just start doing other stuff, and before I know it, I I miss the last five minutes. Okay, that, like, yeah, that's that's, that's fascinating. I can't do it. I mean, that's this is really advanced stuff. I feel like you're really putting in a lot of work, uh, and that's yeah. probably something that I'm learning here is just how much work you put into it to be as successful as you are. Um, and uh, another thing that you mentioned on Jordan's podcast that's just coming back to me now is you mentioned that when you are using the late optimizer tool, you're going in. So because you play both high stakes and low stakes for MLB, for example, um, when you play both, you go in and you do different crunches for each different contest. Is that is that still the case? Is that am I right about that? uh oh i see what you're saying yes so like if you're doing a 20 max and a 150 max you're doing a 20 uh a 20 team crunch and then you're doing a 150 team crunch uh at the end that's kind of kind of what you're doing is that correct yeah i'm still using the late optimizer function yeah uh, and, and, like, and I, do you, do you well, change your settings uh based on like you yeah. know whether it's high stakes or low stakes same same settings okay right same settings and that, you know that might be some of the problem i've had uh before in high stakes and when i'm talking basketball here Okay. I've removed uh, ownership requirements, like maximum ownership allowed per team. Okay. I'll remove that um, because I feel like that's only needed for the large GPPs. Right. Um, so, yeah, I'll remove that and and run it. Um, but, you know, if I have, say, 200 lineups, I'll still put them in Fantasy Crunch or Late Swapper yeah. and, um, and uh, Late Swap them all. But I'll do one contact. Like, I won't do all 200. I'll do 150 and then 20 and then the 30 exporting them each time the okay. only reason i use the late swap feature is i don't have to export my lineups and then paste them into excel you know i can just export directly into DraftKings. yep uh, exactly with excel just saves you a step it's, it's much easier yeah. that way yep. exactly but yeah definitely uh i do different crunches for each uh, each contest okay yeah and you mentioned that the way you do it, you could potentially land on the same lineup in multiple different contests, but it doesn't happen that often just because you're using so much randomness that it's not a huge issue for you. Right. Yep, that's exactly right. Yep. And then one final question, and I, it's kind of a, I feel like a difficult question to answer, but I'll let listener ask it. I'll see if you have a good answer for it. Uh, do you have an estimate for an attainable oh. ROI for different major sports? Do you have any, any thoughts on that? An attainable ROI? Yeah. Um, I can share some of mine, I guess. You don't have you don't have to do that if you don't want. Yeah, I wasn't sure if, if this was a fishing question to, to but or, or just I mean I don't think it was. I think that's something that a lot of people just wonder. What what can you expect in terms of ROI? I feel like it's a difficult question in that I feel like it's a it, it varies based on your volume. Like for for people who are playing, you know, a hundred thousand yeah. a site, they're probably not getting a hundred percent ROI. Whereas sometimes the people who are only playing, you know, twenty dollars a day, hundred percent ROI might be attainable. I mean it's not 
something you should expect. But like, I think that the more volume you play, the more your ROI probably goes down uh, in in the long run. But yeah, I don't know if, if you want to. I agree. That's a very tough boxes. question to answer. There's so many variables that go into that. Yeah. Um, like that's just. I mean, my uh, people say I had a good, and I did uh, MLB last year. According to Roto Tracker, my ROI was twenty five percent, which. Given how much you play, given your volume, that's massive. <laughs> I mean, that's that's a lot of money, twenty five percent, when you're yeah. playing at your volume. Whereas somebody who's playing a hundred bucks a day, it's like, you know, it's not nearly as exciting. So exactly. I think I think that's yeah. what people don't, you know, kind of always factor in that ROI isn't the same across different people. Like it's <laughs> Alex Baker's ROI might not be the top in the game. He, he might still be the, the top player in the game just because he's playing such high volume to just, so just to maintain, you know, even if his ROI is 5% at his kind of volume, that's a ton of money. So like, exactly. it really, it really varies person to person. So yeah, I think that's a kind of a difficult uh, question to answer really, but I thought maybe you had something that you wanted to say about it uh, since, since I had the question figured out. It, it almost sounds like a cashy question, um, cash game yeah. type stuff. And you, do you, do you play any cash these days? No, no, never really have um, played okay. any cash. I've never seen the point, honestly. Um, you know, just head to heads. I I kind of messed around with Roto Tracker today, looking at some stuff because of this interview, and I think it said I, I played sixteen hundred something head to heads in my lifetime, and I was forty. I won forty nine percent of them. Ooh, like that's <laughs> tough. I'm just not interested in the day to day of of cash games like i know i've tried you know people say it's easy you just you make the most optimal lineup which is obvious based on projections you put it in you win 52 percent of the time or whatever and i've tried in the in years past to kind of get into that and it just does not interest me at all yeah like i want the 15 dollars to turn into 100 grand yeah you know i don't want my 300 dollars. like if i have an amazing night i'll win 300 dollars. like no yeah I am the same way. I I tried cash for a little while because it was more mostly before mm -hmm. I got more successful at GPPs. I thought, well, maybe this is a sustainable way to become good at DFS because you see, you know, like like Blender is a good example of somebody who's good at cash and it kind of his yeah. if you look at his uh, chart on Roto Tracker, it's kind of like a straight line. Like it, it's it's a pretty gradual uh, upward for the most part and then he has big spikes obviously when he wins the gpp but for me it's like down 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 spike <laughs> and like it's it's uh you know it's a lot harder i think mentally to to go through the swings of uh gpps but ultimately i just have a lot more interested i got kind of bored with with cash so kind of on the same page as you there i think for sure and I, it's also um again just anecdotal but it's important to me to keep what little brain i have focused on uh, gpps thinking about cash games interferes with that it's the same reason i don't play on other sites um you know i'm focused on DraftKings gpp i maybe i should be playing fandle and maybe i will when baseball starts but not for basketball you know the the salaries are different lineup construction is different i just I can't handle it so because they're just yeah. focused on one thing yeah that makes sense well i think that's that's all the questions that i had for you um i am curious so you uh you know, you, you're thinking about potentially making a career change, and it sounds like you're probably just going to go into DFS full time. But are you somebody who would ever consider doing like coaching or DFS content? Is that something that is on the horizon for you? Something you would consider uh, at some point? Or are you? I mean, I, I guess you have in the past. You've written for Awesome, but maybe maybe your interest is more in writing. But uh, what what kind of interest yeah. do you have in doing DFS content going forward? Just to close it out, be interesting. Um, yeah, at the moment, I'd have to say none. Okay. Um, yeah, no interest. I did do some articles specifically on NBA Showdown, 
uh, for Osmo during the NBA playoffs a year or two ago, and that was fun. But, um, yeah, I mean, it felt like work, I guess, is the easiest way to put it. Like, I'm not as passionate now about, and I think Petty talked about this a bit, I'm not as passionate now about DFS as I was, um, you know, before I made my, before I made the money. Um, so before I was grinding and, you know, looking for every edge and spending hours and hours a day with it and wanting first. But now that's happened, I started the same passion. It's basically just have like a robotic entry strategy. And uh, then if I want to, I can uh, hopefully, you know, watch the sweat of the games and stuff. Um, hopefully that happens. But yeah, no, no on DFS content. And, what was and, the other? and no coaching? Any interest in coaching? Oh, coaching I've never tried. Um my DMs are open. I'm happy to answer questions that anyone asks about strategy. It, a lot. I, I don't know what the issue is. But I'll explain that, you know, if you have questions on DraftKings, 150 lineup GPP strategy, then yeah, we can talk. And, you know, <laughs> next thing you know, 30 minutes before lock, they're asking me what I think about such and such player. Yep. And it turns out they play on FanDuel and it's just, it kind of becomes a mess, but I've definitely had some great conversations with people. And I tell them answering questions makes me smarter on it because it does because just talking about it with other people and sometimes they ask questions in a certain way that really makes you think about your own process. Um, so I've learned from answering questions and uh, hopefully helped a few people as well. Well, I know I have that have found success. So that's awesome. Yeah, probably not not coaching on that website for such and such amount per hour or anything. But yeah, okay. I'm happy to answer DMs. Right on. Uh, anything else that you'd want to share or uh, where can people reach you? Uh, well, on Twitter, uh, uh huh, bro. It's about the only place uh, they can reach me. Yeah, nothing, nothing else to share. I don't think. Just, All right. Uh, yeah. Cool. Enjoyed well, talking to you. Yeah, thanks a lot for coming on. That was a uh, short notice, so I was really, I was planning on asking to be on next week anyway, but I was really uh, happy that you were able to come on on such short notice. Oh yeah, well, happy to help. Yeah, I've enjoyed the first two podcasts for sure. So I'm looking forward to. Hope you can salvage that RBX interview. Yeah, and, me too. Uh, it was a fun interview. But uh, well, this one was fun to one too. Have on after this for sure. Cool, right on. Well, yeah. thanks again to Peter Viles for joining me on High Stakes Episode Three. You'll be able to catch High Stakes Episode Four next Friday at eight Eastern. Thanks for watching and enjoy your night. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.